I'm going to do a series uh, today called called The Secret Sauce, and uh, I'm, I'm excited to, to share it with you. Um, like I said, we'll spend a few minutes here. Cool? Everybody's all right? The Secret Sauce. Now, by now, you know that I'm a big dog guy. Now, there are, I do have, I need to get some new friends. I will say that. Uh, you wouldn't believe what my friends say to me. Uh, and accuse me of when they look at the content that I put out there. So now I have a lot of friends who are like, whoa, this is pretty weird. Like you talk about your dog in every sermon. I have one friend who said, we're trying to determine, we're laying down bets. This is where I'm at. I got friends who are gambling on my sermons. I need some more consecrated Christians in my life. And they're like, we're, we're trying to lay down bets of how many sermons in a row you will mention your little dog. And so I will serve them up what they desire. And I will talk more about my little puppy. And the reason I love my puppy oftentimes more than my children is he doesn't talk. <laughs> and I need that desperately in my life right now. I need one thing in my life that doesn't talk back. <laughs> I wish that wasn't true. Some of you are like, that's a funny joke. Oh yeah, it was just a joke. That's what I meant. Um, but... So there's, there's been this interesting trajectory with me and, and pets. Um, I tried to have two dogs as a kid. My mom gave them away, both of those dogs, while I was at school. Uh, Popcorn and Buddy. Uh, Popcorn was a Papillon. Uh, Buddy was a Husky, uh, uh, I think a Husky and Golden Retriever mix. Uh, gorgeous dogs. And uh, Popcorn was gone when I came home from sixth grade one day. And Buddy was gone when I came home from eighth grade one day. And uh, my dad was devastated. I was devastated. But my mom was thrilled. Uh, my mom didn't run the home. Ah, she did. Okay. So, you know, so I kind of like, dogs were like, well, I guess I'm not a dog guy. I don't treat them right. I don't take care of them. That's why my mom gave them away. So I'm never going to have a dog. So then I begin to superimpose my judgment on other people. Uh, which I rather enjoyed. For instance, um, you ever walk by someone who's talking English to their dog? Or is that just me? Like this, this happened for years, and you're all not going to like this, but I'm going to be honest with you. Um, I would hear people talking to their dogs, and I would want to stop and say, sir, ma'am, no disrespect, you're talking to an animal, right? And I'd be like, I can't, like, I remember walking by, hearing people walking by, cat, dog, rhino, raptor, whatever it was. Um, okay, you're not going to laugh at that? That was pretty good. I'm going to be honest with you, all right? And, but uh, we'll improve the jokes as we go on. I'd be sitting at cafes, restaurants, whatever, and I would hear human beings talking to their animals. And I'd be like, that's so ridiculous. I would feel, how do I say this, smarter than those people? Like I had cracked a code that they were still subject to, you know, they were still subservient to this false narrative that their animals could understand them, that their animals even cared. And of course, for cat owners, we all know that cat could care less about its owner. I'm kidding, come on. Uh, by now, the cat people have all but left this church. Um, I'm being so serious. I would pass significant judgment on these individuals. Now, for those that live in the West Coast 
those that live in Seattle, those that live out here, like we, I, I, would, I would tend to say we're pretty big on our pets, right? I think at one point the statistic was fascinating that there were more dog parks in the city limits of Seattle than like human parks. Like that actually happened. I don't know if that's still happening, but I remember going, oh my, we need human parks, not dog parks. Now I'm like, I don't know, I, I see where they're headed and I like it. I like it a lot. <laughs> Some of you are already offended. Guys, this is going to be a long haul then, you know? <laughs> Anyways, um, but I, I'm serious. I legitimately in my heart, I am, this is a moment of confession and therapy, bear with me. I would literally be like, that's ridiculous. I'm smarter than that person. I, you know, I guess this is how I felt. I felt a little bit more prioritized as a human. Does that make sense? I felt more prioritized. I felt like, who gives so much time to a beast? I give time to people. You know what I'm about? Building parks for people. You know what I'm about? Building, I'm giving my time and energy to people. I'm not a dog person. And then I got a dog. And what I'm about to tell you happened yesterday. I took my dog to a farmer's market. Now, what's crazy about little Louie is um, if you say the word walk, it's over. His little tail starts going like this, and he just starts circling. He gets the zoomies. Anybody know what the zoomies are when your little dog gets the zoomies? And he, just, and he starts running around just at the mention of the word walk, which of course leads me to believe that my kids need to grow up and actually take care of their dog so they don't take him on a walk. I said, do you want to go on a walk, buddy? And we walked to this open market. And I was walking with him, and I got uh, some yogurt that we like. It's really good yogurt, and I got some berries, and I got a bottle of wine. I don't drink, but Chelsea does, so blame her, not me. <laughs> I don't drink. I'm a man of God. I don't drink. She does. So she doesn't know that. I, I found a, a rosé they were selling. Great price. And the lady goes, do you want to taste it? I go, oh, no, I don't drink. <laughs> I feel so proud. Uh, I really do. That's another topic. We're not talking about drinking today. We're talking about dogs. And eventually we will get to the Holy Scriptures. This really happened yesterday. So we're leaving the farmer's market. Now, Louis had come in contact with a multiplicity of other dogs. And I, I rather enjoy it now. I kind of want to see it. And, you know, when dogs see each other, they're like... And they jump and they, and they circle and like, you know, and then you're looking at the owner like, are we cool? Are you cool? Are we cool? Like, is your dog cool? Like, is he going to eat my dog? Because my dog's little and your dog's big. You know, it's all this like nonverbal. And so we're leaving the market. This really happened. I look down and I go, hey, buddy, did you meet some dogs today? <laughs> I haven't thought, I don't know what I'm doing yet. I'm just, I'm just acting out of love. I go, did you like some, did you meet some new friends? How was it? I'm asking him questions now. <laughs> How was it? Buddy, I'm so proud of you. I start saying this, you know, we're so grateful you're a part of our family. <laughs> it hasn't hit me yet though. I'm just acting out of love. I'm not, I'm, there's no logic here. It's just flowing out of me. The Bible says like rivers of living water will flow out of your innermost being, right? I'm just, I'm just in the moment, man. I'm like, buddy, we're so proud of you. And I said, you know, Louie, you're such a good boy. You acted so good with your new friends and you were polite and, you know, we're Smiths, we're kind and encouraging and we look for lonely dogs. That's our, that's our motto. And I'm just super proud of you. Oh my 
Oh, no! I am the person I have despised for the last 20 years. And it dawned on me, and I realized, no word of a lie, there had been other humans walking by me. I didn't care about the humans. I was talking to my beast. (laughs) And it dawned on me, I am that man. I am the man who is having a full-blown conversation with his five-pound teacup multi-poo, who frankly is not listening. He's smelling the air. How was it for you, buddy? You know, I'm like, who are you talking to? It dawned on me. Like, the people I thought I was different, I thought I was better. I thought I was more prioritized. Translation, I felt more elite when I heard humans talking to beasts. And yet, here I am. I have so matured at 43. I so miss my little babies that couldn't form words. I, I bought a dog version so I could talk to something that wouldn't talk back. But I have become that very thing. You ever feel better than someone else? Why did you feel better than someone else? It's the same foolish reasons that I had, that we think to ourselves. Now, again, don't don't look around or act like this sermon is already relatable to you because you wouldn't want to let on that you think you're better than other humans because, of course, you would never think that because uh, you are um, an amazing person and you believe everyone is the same, except you don't, and neither do I a lot of the time. It's funny what makes us feel better than others. And by funny, I don't mean comical. I just mean that's the nicest word I can say. I really did. And, and you know, we can laugh about it, but I really felt like I would never talk to a dog. And then I think God has a sense of humor. I really, really, really do. And I think God cares about the little things way more than we do. And I think God had a big smile on his face as I'm talking to my little Louie. It's like, I got you, buddy. You're that guy now, dude. Is this hilarious? And I honestly think God laughed. I really do. By the way, a sense of humor, God invented that. Where did he come up with it? From himself. I think God has a deep and profound sense of humor. That's why I'm sarcastic, okay? I got it from God. Like, I blame God for my sarcasm. You're like, I don't know if you can do that. You know, but, but he has a sense of humor. And I think yesterday, I had a moment. I was reminded again in the smallest of ways. And I know there are other more significant, devastating reasons we believe we're better than others. But in some way, that perspective and that approach has affected us all. Wait, we have, I just got a message from the back. We have a picture of Louie. Look at him, look at him. That's my dude, bro. That is, um, that's my guy. That guy has never said a mean thing about anyone. I'll tell you that much right now. (laughs) This is what I am now. I'm a midlife preacher showing pictures of his dog. I quit. God bless you all. Find another preacher. This is what you've done to me. You know, like I blame you, you know. Um, That's my guy, man. He's he's a little guy, a little multi-poo. Okay. When he gets a haircut, we do the lamb cut, so he looks like a little lamb. It's biblical. It's biblical. (laughs) 
Okay, yeah, you're gonna take take off the photo. It's distracting. Um, but the truth is, we've we've all been there, and so. In a way, this is one of those sermons where it might speak a little bit more to you right now because maybe you're kind of struggling in this area, but wherever you are in life, a lot of the time, if we're honest, the way we encourage ourselves is actually by finding someone we think is less than us. Isn't that silly? But we do it all the time. Jesus talked about it. Scripture speaks to it comparing ourselves amongst ourselves. We ought not to do, it's not wise. But of course we do that, why? Because when we find somebody that we think is less than us, their morals are less, their perspective we see is less, their education is less, their experience, I mean, something as simple as vocabulary, oh, you don't know what that means, right? They don't, and all of a sudden, we prop ourselves up artificially this way. We feel better than others. I want to take you to a passage that speaks to this. And I want to see if, if together we can kind of see and witness and discover what I call the secret sauce in your journey with Jesus. And um, I don't know if I want to tell you the ingredients of the secret sauce yet, and it's just one ingredient, um, but I have been obsessed with the concept lately, and um, I look for it now in my own life, and I, I want more of it, and I think you might be surprised, so I'm just going to say it. Here's what I think the secret sauce is, and I think you can see it very overtly in Luke chapter 18, and it's this. It's desperation. And I'm gonna, I want to ask you, are you desperate? But the answer is emphatically, yes, you are, because you're a human. But the question more specifically is, do you realize you are? Do you realize how desperate you are? Do you realize how dependent you are? Do you realize how fickle you are? Do you realize how finite you are? Do you realize how little you are, loved to the moon and back? But do you realize, do you realize how brief your stay here is? Do you know how desperate you are? Now, if you're in your 40s, you know about mystery pain. You know what I'm talking about, mystery pain? Mystery pain is pain you get in parts of your body and there is no rhyme or reason, it just, it just happens. Like the other night, I'm laying on my bed and I'm watching Sports Center, and my left big toe just started to ache at a level that is inexplicable. And I'm looking at my toe and I'm like, ah, ah, it's not a cramp. I know what a cramp is, everybody grow up, you know? Like, and I'm looking at my toe and I'm like, ah, ah, ah. And you know, when you get to a certain age, you're like, I hope it just goes away. Y'all know what I'm talking about? You're just like, and then it does, and you're like, ah, it was good, all right. <laughs> and then suddenly you're just more grateful for a painless toe. Like, Thanks, man. That was awesome. You know, 12-year-olds will never understand this, but at a certain age, you're like, you wake up, you're like, uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. I can't even breathe. My ribs hurt. I just outed my rib. And I love like 20-year-olds. They're like, hey, man, you okay? Yeah, I got a rib out. Oh, man, what'd you do? And you're like, I, uh, I woke up like this. <laughs> it was too of an intense dream. 
<laughs> and it just, oh, I can't move, right? So, so mi- mi- mystery pain is real. And what I mean by that is how fragile are we? Chelsea, can I just, can I tell the story? Chelsea yawned, was that yesterday or two days ago? That we're in the car and Chelsea yawns and she goes, oh my word. She might've said, oh my God, but I'm like not allowed to say that because I'm a minister. But I love how people are like, don't use his name in vain. I was like, oh, it's never in vain. It's never in vain. When it comes out of my heart, it is, oh my God. Right? Okay, so anyways, everybody just relax. I have never once used his name in vain. Jesus, you know, I mean it. So Chelsea goes, oh my God. And I go, what, what? The older you get to, yeah, you get a little, ah, ah, what happened, what, 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 you know. And she's like, I pinched a nerve. And I go, what? She goes, when I yawned, I pinched a nerve. <laughs> she's like, <laughs> we, I, we used to pinch nerves when we played sports. Now we pinch nerves when we're going to a coffee shop and we yawn too big. I mean, when, was, when, was, when were we going to be warned about this? You know what I mean? So, so here's what we do. We just hope the mystery pain goes away. That's what you do. And so I, I will admit I prayed because I'm a man of God. Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. That was the content of my prayer. Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. And, and you know what you're thinking because I know what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, I don't know if she has a pinched nerve in her face. Like, we have a lot to do. we got to go places. I don't know if I have time to, like, nurse her back to life. I don't want to nurse her right now. I'm too tired. But if the pinched nerve, Miss Tammy, you know this is real. I'm thinking if we go home and she still has a pinched nerve, then I'm going to get an ice pack and then I'm going to get Advil. And then it's like, oh, God, please, I don't know if I can do the pinched nerve thing today, Lord. Let this mystery pain go away. And she goes, oh, good, it's gone. I go, thank you, God. (laughs) But, like, how finite are we really? We think we're so strong. We think we're so in control. We think we're, but I would simply like to submit to you that the secret sauce is already in play. Do you know how desperate you are? Do you know how dependent you are on the divine? You, in fact, whether you're aware of it or not, every day of your life is another day of desperation. And I've discovered that ignoring that, you are missing out on the full human experience, embracing your dependence, embracing your finite nature, embracing that you are here and it is but a vapor while you're here is actually a real, and I call it a secret, I wish it wasn't a secret. I wish desperation was the norm for the believer and the worshiper because I believe it is one of the more real dynamics and influences in your daily life. So I wanna show you how desperate you are. So listen to this, Jesus says in Luke chapter 18, he told his next story to some who were complacently pleased with themselves over their moral performance and looked down their noses at the common people, translation, thought they were better than the dog person who's talking to their dog. I'm so serious. It can be as simple and silly as that, and it can be as deplorable as simply feeling you're better than someone because the lack of or the melanin in your skin. This gets deep, doesn't it? Why we think. Now, in this case, Jesus says, It was their moral performance that informed them that they are not desperate. 
they're different. They're dignified. They're consecrated. They're holy. Now, I got enough Christian friends who understand that's not how it works, but I still have a few friends who don't understand Jesus' Christianity. So I met with a friend recently, and he goes, and, I, he, and he doesn't know Jesus really, but he's like, um, he's like, you're a holy man, and I know you have a unique connection with God. And I, I was going to disagree with him, but then I was like, it just feels nice to hear that. So I'm just going to leave it in the convo. I was like, oh, thank you for saying that. <laughs> but I, I know it's not really true. But anyways... I think there is this sediment sometimes that we actually believe that we're like, well, I'm, I'm a holy person. Bless you, my child. And I, homie, you're just a dude. You're just a gal. You're just a person. Like, he is holy. We are finite, dependent, and desperate. So Jesus tells the story. Now, he's the author of this story. This is not a true story. Of course, it's true, but this is not an actual story. This is a story that Jesus uses, which I find very interesting and should be noted because anytime you see Jesus uh, authoring a story to shed light on who he is and who we are, every little bit of content he authored and chose, which I think is incredibly compelling and magnetic. So like the prodigal son story, Jesus like wrote that in his heart. Does that make sense? And so it's like every part of the story he authored. It's not like this is based on a true story, so he had to follow some other kind of, no, this is all a story that he wrote to reveal himself ultimately. So I always lean in when I'm like, this next story, here's why he told it. By the way, in Luke chapter 15, he tells the prodigal son story, the woman with the coin collection and the shepherd with the sheep, because there was a complaint about him that he had bad friends and hang out with bad people. And why do you have bad friends and bad people and not church friends and church people? And so he told these stories that he authored. This one, he says, the scripture says, his motivation for telling the story is that there was a bunch of people who thought they were better than other humans. So this is the story he tells. So let's lean in because, well, frankly, that has a lot to do with you and me. He says, two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax man. The Pharisee posed and prayed like this, oh, oh God, thank you, I'm not like other people, robbers. Listen to his prayer. Jesus authored this prayer. Robbers, crooks, adulterers, or Heaven forbid, like him. Oh, I'm so grateful I'm not like him. Oh, so I'm the only one that's ever watched the news and seen somebody on the news and for whatever reason thought to myself, at least I'm not them. You ever been in conversations where pity seems to be the subject, but it's not pity. It's actually posturing. Oh, have you heard about cocaine? <gasps> cocaine? Oh. I love us. We are the funniest little creatures. We act like someone took a substance that made them feel better momentarily. I can't relate to that. I only take legal substances to temporarily feel better. Therefore, I am better. <laughs> or you're just born at the right time. Because it's legal now. Aren't we, aren't we funny? Cocaine! Oh! Oh, God, it's terrible. 
and inside you're like, I am not that person, thank God. So like, you may not relate to this from a public, but I bet you relate to it privately. Listen to the list he makes in his mind. Robbers, crooks, adulterers, or a tax collector. And then listen to this. Is this a prayer or is this like a PR piece? This is what he's telling. And I fast twice a week. I love this. I love Jesus. Great story. Because I can imagine, this is what we do. Like God is in heaven going, not once a week. You fast for me twice a week? Oh, well, then that's it. I shall bless you. For I've never met anyone who fasts twice a week for me. And then lastly, I tithe on all of my income. That's the prayer. That's the prayer. And then Jesus says, but the other guy, there's two guys, is the tax guy. Now, the thing about tax man, when I say tax man, some of you are like, I have a great tax person that I really love, and they're kind of a saint because they do my taxes for me, so I really like tax people, so this story doesn't make a lot of sense. Well, then you need to insert a different role that I'm not going to digress at all, but that, that tax man was probably the worst kind of person for Jesus' predominantly Jewish audience. For the Jewish tax collectors were the worst of the worst. The worst of the worst. They were oppressors, they were cheats, they were robbers, crooks, all the things listed. So it says, meanwhile, the bad, bad, bad guy that we all watch on news and thank God we're not. He was in church and he slumped in the shadows. His face was in his hands. He couldn't even look up. Now listen to his prayer. God, give mercy, forgive me, a sinner. Look at the length of the two prayers. Look at the content of the two prayers. The second prayer isn't even a good sentence. I would argue, I'm no expert, it's not even a full sentence. God, give Mercy, forgive me, a sinner. I mean, look at, look, look at the prayer before. Look at the prayer before. Oh, God, I thank you I'm not like other people. Robbers, crooks, adulterers, or heaven forbid, like that person. And I do want to remind you, Lord, I fast twice a week and tithe all my income. Meanwhile, in the same room, there's a guy who's like, I don't really know how to pray exactly. But here's what I know. I need mercy and I need forgiveness because I'm a sinner. Now watch this. Because for you, for those of you that are maybe familiar with these teachings, these next verses don't land the way they would have if you were actually there. But Jesus actually goes on and says, this tax man, not the other, went home right with God. Now, everyone would have sucked there. You could have heard it. <gasps> Tax people don't ever get right with God, for their lifestyle disqualifies them. Now, you might find this hard to believe, but I would be as far to say that there might be a cocaine addict who understands righteousness more than you. 
There's this little scripture in the Bible that you can't miss, and it says, whoever's forgiven much loves much. Now, if you've read that and you're like me, you're a seventh-generation preacher, and you grew up in church, and you basically grew up in this auditorium, and you've been a custodian in this auditorium. You were, uh, I think I was 19 when we um, um, signed the the deed. We had $17,000 in the bank, and this was an $8 million purchase. And I was even old enough to tell my dad, Dad, we don't have $8 million. How are we going to buy an $8 million building with 500 people in the church? And he's like, God will provide. And he did. But I, well, I've been a, you know, I'm one of those kids who've been a Christian his whole life. Now, I remember when I went up for the adultery altar call in Portland, Oregon, because my mom was humiliated because I made her go with me. And as we walked down the aisle, she kept pointing, it's him, not me. (laughs) Church is like, yeah, five-year-old in adultery, yeah, right? Um, But so I remember vividly when I gave my heart to Jesus, but, you know, I'd, it's all I've ever known. It's all I've ever known. Been on stage speaking publicly since I was nine. I spoke publicly on a stage before I was 11 years old. I spoke probably on a stage in every single state but North and South Dakota. Um, so I've been like, I've, this has been my life. And yet the, the Bible says like it, it was the tax man, not the other who went home, made right with God. I, I think of being forgiven much. I remember when I read that verse, I have vivid memories of kind of teenage years. And I remember thinking like, well, I mean, <laughs> that's probably not a verse for me because, um, you know, I, I mean, nowadays in 2022, I tell people like, yeah, no, Chelsea, I, yeah, I, she's the only person I've ever had sex with. I, I, we were a virgin. You were a what? I was a virgin. When did you get married? 21. Why? I was a Christian. And so you have to get married young because you want to have sex. (laughs) Some of you think that's funny. I was being honest. You know, but anyways, I thought, well, I mean, I love God, but that scripture isn't for me. Oh, that scripture isn't about counting the dumb things you've done. It's about an understanding of who you really are and who he is. The truth is, being forgiven much comes down to whether or not you understand who you really are. It's interesting about these two guys. One person really understands who they are, and the other is play acting. The one guy's like, I'm literally a crook. I have money because I steal from my own people. I need you to forgive me. I need mercy. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. Don't give me what I deserve. Give me mercy. Forgive me, he says, for I'm a sinner. And you know what's amazing? The audience must have thought, well, he's got that right. What's that? I'm a sinner. An old preacher told me years ago, we were here at Bellevue having dinner, And he had worked for a prominent, prominent preacher that had had one of the biggest influences kind of in the Western world at one point. And he said, I knew things were getting off when we knew who was in and we knew who was out. We started to determine, Judah, who was saved and who wasn't. That's when I knew something was off. 
Do you do that or is that just me? They're not a believer. I could tell you stories about preachers who preach sermon series about famous people and they just didn't know they were in our church. One preacher preached a whole sermon and I called him. And his whole sermon was about a friend of mine. And in the entire sermon, he assumed that my friend wasn't a Christian and he made that clear. And so I called him to tell him he was wrong. We haven't talked since. Huh? I said, how dare you, sir? You assume that this human being doesn't know Jesus. Based on what? Have you met this person? Well, no. I have. Been in their home. Been out to eat. That's my friend. I would appreciate that you don't speak about my friend like that. But I'm sure by using this person's name, you got people to attend your sermon series. What a cheap way to go about it. But God bless you. Love you. Aren't we funny? <laughs> Do you have people that you take shots at when you have coffee with Christian friends? Well, you know that. Well, you know. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about, because I do it too. I do it too. We make ourselves feel better. You know, we don't have to do that. You know, we can be free from that. You know, that dehumanizes you, right? You know that we're eating each other alive, right? You know that's one of the big problems, right? You know that's why they say millennials are more anxious and fearful than anyone because they're all worried now that they too will be outed. Because that's the culture now. Is we're gonna take what everyone, every bad thing we see people do, we're gonna record it and we're gonna out them. Because that's the way of be. But Jesus says, my love will cover your sin. <laughs> The only thing that's really required is that you accept the truth about you. And the truth about you is not what you do or what you say, but ultimately you wanna know the truth about you, it's what you think. You know those thoughts you hope nobody ever knows. Those thoughts that hit you and you're like, whoa, if I ever said that, I'd be canceled. But see, that's in you. Oh, wretched man that I am, who can deliver me from this body of sin? The old disciple said, for I am torn. What I want to do, I don't do. What I don't want to do, I end up doing. I am a sinner. And so here's my first suggestion today in the last few minutes we have. You want to use the secret sauce of desperation in your life? Pray like a tax man or worship like a tax man. Don't worship like a moralist. Worship like a tax man because you know who you are? You're the tax man in the story. If you relate more to the Pharisee, change now because that's not real. You're the tax man in the story. You know who you are in the story? You're the prodigal son in the story. <laughs> That's who you are. Every time you read about sinners, that's you. You're the demoniac in the story, so am I. You're the person with leprosy, so am I. That's me, that's you. We needed a superhero. Listen to this, listen to this. Uh, Matthew chapter six, you wanna talk about how to pray. You wanna talk about how to pray. Look at Matthew chapter six, starting in verse five in the message. And 
when you come before God, don't turn that into a theatrical production either. All these people making a regular show out of their prayers, hoping for stardom. Do you think that sits, you think God sits in a box seat? <laughs> God is still the coach, and we still got drafted on his team, and we're still trying to impress him with our role. He's like, I'm not a coach, this isn't a team, I'm a father, and this is a family, and I love you unconditionally. Relax. Relax, tax person. Here's what I want you to do. Oh, this is exciting. Words of Jesus. Here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there simply and honestly. I love this. Jesus, thank you for these words. As simply and honestly as you can manage. Now that I can get down with. <laughs> because it's about as much as we can manage. Am I the only other person that like, like what I don't want to like, I don't want to hear myself say all the things that are in me because that's just like, is kind of discouraging. So I'm going to be here simply and honestly as I can kind of manage right now. Um, look what happens. The focus will shift from you to God and you'll begin to sense his grace. Mercy is not getting what you do deserve. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. And you know what I, you and I don't deserve? Friendship with God. The presence of our Savior and our Shepherd. He says when you just... It's weird because it's the Pharisee that has the long, ornate prayer, but it's the tax man who doesn't even put a good sentence together. And Jesus taught in prayer, just be there as simply as you can manage. Try to be as honest with yourself as you can. And the focus will shift from you to God. And interesting, when you read the prayer of the Pharisee, listen to his prayer again. Oh God, I thank you I'm not like other people. Crooks, adulterers, thieves, and oh God forbid, like that guy. Furthermore, I want you to know that I fast twice a week and I tithe all my income. Oh, I love this. Who is that prayer for? God or the prayer? Am I the only one that pray prayers that I, are just like to me, about me, and for me? And I'm not saying you don't pray for you. Prayer actually changes you, not God. But like, do you know what I mean by that? Have you ever got done with your prayer time and thought, I really nailed that one. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Now, some of you don't know this, but I, I pray over microphones a lot, right? You could argue I pray over microphones for a living. You know, people love, I record prayers, I do guided prayers, I pray over services, I pray over, right? I mean, I've, I've been at events and my whole role was to prayer. You know, Judah, Judah Smith will be praying here for three minutes and 42 seconds. And I've been at events where I had to write out my prayer word for word. It had to be vetted, right? Like, I, I, I know what it's like to do prayers in front of a lot of people and and um, so I know how to do that. And sometimes I just do it for me. And I'm like, oh, that was beautiful, Judah. I'm moved by your words, man. God, help us. How desperate are we? He says, just be yourself as much as you can manage. And here's where the shift will go. Listen to the tax man. Oh, God, have mercy. 
forgive me. I'm a sinner. Out of his innermost being, out of his broken soul, came a cry. I know enough about church history. I, I miss those days sometimes when prayers were cries. Not sophisticated construction demonst- constructed demonstrations of spiritual religious elitists. Oh God, we have gathered here on this auspicious day to honor you and your magnificent ways. Now I'm all for poetic, beautiful prayers. And I say, just if you're gonna pray, pray, it's all good, whatever. But but you know the difference of like that primal cry? Oh God, what am I gonna do? Here I am. I think sometimes we pretend like preachers like me need to teach us how to be desperate. Really? Like you don't know what it is to be desperate. You don't know what it is to be lovesick. How long you been alive? How long you been alive? You ever fallen in love? You ever, you ever, you ever, you ever, you ever stumbled over your own self not knowing how to say and what to say because you were so excited about the possibility of connecting with another human that you are so attracted to and magnetically drawn to and you're just like, oh, my God. Desperate for their attention. Desperate for their connection. You don't know how to be desperate. I think we've had so so much teaching on prayer, we're getting in our own way. Prayer has become this regal practice of the studied few believers. You, I need to teach you how to pray. Listen, my dad taught people how to pray. I've taught people how to pray. I can tell you how I pray. We can talk about the Lord's Prayer. We could do all that. But I am telling you, you know how to pray similar to how you know how to breathe. And you know why you keep breathing? Because without it, you'll die. You know why we breathe? It's called desperation. Man, it's good breathing. I'm a good breather? Yeah, you're a good breather. Oh, that's great. Actually, I've learned how to take deeper breaths. but, But I've been breathing since before anybody taught me. See, I am led to believe in my study of Scripture that as a human being, there's something primal put in you, and it's a cry for the divine. It's a cry for God. So worship like a tax man and stop praying like a moralist. Just be there. I'm dead serious. Put a guided prayer on your chest and fall asleep. And when you wake up, don't beat yourself up. Laugh. I think I just took a nap, God. And he's like, yeah, you needed it. I needed to deactivate your brain so I could minister to your soul. We've made all of this a cerebral exercise. What happened to the mystical ways of the soul? Deep calls unto deep. God, speak to me. I'm here. (laughs) You know what's wild? Some of you... You have a secret place, you just haven't used it yet. It's the 20 minutes you spend in traffic every day to and from work. Some are like, well, I don't commute anymore, I work from home. Okay, never mind. But, okay, fine, never mind. You're there. 
Be yourself. Listen, 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 and, I, and I'm, I'm coming to a close. L- listen to what it says at the end of Luke chapter 18. It says, and, and, and which man was made? It was the tax man that went home right with God, uh, not the play actor, not the Pharisee. And, and, and in the Message Bible, it says, but if you're content to be simply yourself, you'll become more than yourself. Simply yourself. This is me. This is me. And I'll pick on preachers so you don't feel picked on. This needs to start with the preachers, doesn't it? (laughs) Because the more you sit in meetings like this and you hear preachers like me tell you that I'm holy and I'm this and I'm, you're led to believe that somehow I'm doing something that you're not doing and so I'm getting results in my life that you're not getting because, and again, this is, Literally, like anything else in this life, we think it's all based on performance. This is why the news is good. Your relationship with God is not based on your performance. Your relationship with God is based on Jesus' performance. And that performance is enough, and that performance is complete and finished. Therefore, you are made, what does it say? Went home made right with God. Do you know what this whole passage is about? It's about righteousness. It's about imputed gifted righteousness and imputed righteousness righteousness works when you understand second corinthians 5:21 he who knew no sin became sin so that you and i might become the righteousness of god in christ jesus it's wild i i, I the old life is god gone a new life virgins look at it all this Dot, dot, dot. Next verse, Ethan. Next verse. Comes from God, who settled the relationship between us and him, and then called us to settle our relationship with each other. God put the world square with himself through the Messiah, giving the world a fresh start by offering forgiveness of sins. God has given us the task of telling everyone what he's doing. We're Christ's representative. God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences, enter into God's work of making things right between them. We're speaking of Jesus himself now. Become friends with God. He's already a friend with you. How you ask? Jesus. God put the wrong on him who never did anything wrong so we could be put right with God. Where's your performance in there? (laughs) Well, I never did cocaine. First of all, I'm glad on behalf of your brain and your body. Congratulations. That's great. But as it relates to your relationship with God, you're forgiven. You're adding up stuff that God doesn't add up. You're making lists that God doesn't make. Crooks, robbers, thieves, and tax people. At least I am not like Republican. At least I'm not a Democrat. At least I didn't vote for. So you got lists too, like me. At least I don't talk to dogs. focus on people. Oh, there I am, like everybody else again, talking to my dog. And if you were now to confront me about that, I would feel better than you now. You know, like, how fickle is this? Talking to dogs is dumb. I talk to dogs, and it's beautiful, it's wonderful, and I experience the love of God, so you're wrong, and I'm better. I mean, I'm different. And we start all over again, and so the cycle continues. 
Do you worship like a tax man? Because you are. <laughs> because you are. You and me, we're damaged goods, man. Have you noticed? Oh, I got good days. I have good afternoons. I've had some really good evenings. I've had some really biblical mornings. But I've had some mornings I hope I never have to talk about. I've had some nights that I'm humiliated. I have thoughts all the time that if you knew, you would never come back to this church. So I'll never tell you. Are you like me? Am I the only one? Have, I, have you ever lifted your hands long enough in church to be proud of yourself? Or is that just me? Have you ever cried so hard in the presence of God that you're impressed by your own tears? Have you ever been in a church service where you're crying and worshiping and you look across the room and you see someone like this? And you're like, wow. God is here and they can't even feel him. Oh God, soften their heart like me. They're still crossing their arms. This is what's wrong with America. Make them like me, God. And he's like, like you? A liar, a cheat, a manipulator? A selfish, self-serving human? You want them to make them like you? No, I'm going to make them like me. I'm going to take a heart of stone, and I'm going to give them a heart of flesh, and I'm going to change their desires. <laughs> Aren't we all the same? So why are we playing this game? So Jesus says, come one, come all. My family's open. My doors are open. My table's available. In fact, I saved you a seat with your name on it. But you won't even see the seat I saved for you if you think somehow you earned it yourself. You won't even be able to see it. I'll talk about this in the next service, but Jesus actually says, unless you become like a child, in Luke chapter 18, we'll talk about it in the 11, he says, you won't even see it. You won't even see it. You won't even see my table or see my family or see my children or see my sons and daughters. You'll see a Democrat or a Republican or you'll see them and you'll see they and you'll see us and you'll see, you won't even see my children. But if you take the perspective of a child, what's a child? A dependent being. What, the best parenting advice I ever got. Quit asking your kids what they want. Make decisions for them. That's what kids need. They, make, they need decisive leaders and parents in their life. We're going to go here. We're going to go here. We're going to go here. If you know me, I'm a pleaser. And sometimes even as a dad, I'm like, kids, what do you want to do? And a parent told me who was a really good parent. They said, quit giving your kids so many options. They actually don't have the capacity and the faculties to make all those decisions. You do, you're the adult, you make the decisions. Jesus said, unless you become like a dependent child and follow his decisions and follow his directions and follow his steps and follow his path, you won't even see your seat at the table. 
We're going to worship like tax people. Somebody like, I actually do do taxes for a living. Okay, that's not what I mean. Here's what, we're going to worship like crooks. We're going to worship like thieves. We're going to worship like robbers. We're going to worship like fragmented, broken people. You know what we're going to do? We're going to worship like we really are. Whatever happened to the old saints who thought to themselves, God, if I don't thank you about nothing else, I thank you I woke up this morning in my right mind. I thank you I woke up this morning with a left hand and a right hand and a left foot and a right foot. I thank you I woke up this morning, period. Thank you for taking my big toe pain away. Thank you for taking Chelsea's pinched nerve away. Oh, I got so much to thank him for. I ain't got nothing to do with my income. It's got nothing to do with my public perception. It's got nothing to do with my social media. It's got nothing to do with my reputation. It's got everything to do with the little daily gifts and miracles he works in my life. I'm here. I'm still married. I got babies. I got friends. I get to go to the house of God. I get to be in a church. Oh, God, thank you. I got lips, tongues, and gums. I got, like, I got receding gums, but I still got gum. Oh God, let the next generation know how to worship. Don't just worship him for your bonus at work. Don't just worship him for the fact that you doubled your income. Oh, there's more to life than your income. There's more to life than your fasting twice a week and tithing all your income. What about the treasure of all nations? What about the lily of the valley? What about the shepherd of all nations? What about the one who makes you lie down in green pastures and restores your soul? What about the one who activated your brain this morning? What about the one who gave you that person in bed with you like a gift, gave you a best friend and somebody to go through life with. What about all the good things he's done? Do you actually need me to remind you or are you like me? Do you know how wretched and blind and wicked you really are? Oh God, have mercy. Forgive me. I'm a sinner. And he says, I did. Woo! So that's what we're going to do. Worship like a tax man. And I'm going to tell you, man, the wild thing is you don't need training in this. You need reminder in this. It's all there. It's all there. It's all the tax man in you is there. The child in you is there. The follower in you is there. So worship, receive, let go. It's all in there. And we'll talk more about it in Luke chapter 18 because right after this passage, the Bible says that women brought their children and the disciples start saying, we don't got no time for kids. We don't have no time for kids. We don't have no time for kids. And Jesus said, you let the little children come unto me. You let the little children come unto me, for unless you see me, understand me like a child, you'll never see me or understand me. And so we're going to talk about that, receiving the kingdom like a child, the beauty and majesty of a child. I love Jesus because he's a leveler. He's a leveler. He's a leveler. He's a leveler. We are all on the same level. We're all in this together. Oh, and by the way, while we're on topic, we were all destined to be together. We were all destined in the, in the, in the grand scheme and scope and scale of human history. God said, I'm going to put these people together at the same time, in the same city, in the same community, to love and care for one another and for their city and their communities and their neighborhoods. See, you and I were meant to be together. We need each other. We love each other. We serve each other. We celebrate each other. That's how I see it. Whole generations have come and gone, but we're here together. So come on, tax man. 
Let's worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Just before we do, I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes just for a moment. If you're here today and say, Judah, you got it. You got it. I know now that I need Jesus. I, I know now that I need my sins forgiven. I need my selfish ways, my error, my wrong. I need it forgiven. I, I need it covered. You can't earn it. You can't deserve it. Jesus did it for you. He became a curse. He became sin. He became your judgment. He took upon his body. He took upon his brain and his soul the judgment of Almighty God. And all of God's judgment was completely exhausted on the body of Jesus on the middle cross. So now what is left for every man, woman, boy, and girl is no longer judgment, but acceptance, forgiveness, and righteousness made available through Jesus Christ. No man can give you this gift. No performance can give you this gift. No amount of moralism can give you this gift. Only God gives this gift. And if you want the free gift of forgiveness, that only Jesus offers, I want to pray for you today. Whether you're watching or whether you're in this auditorium, Judah, I would like to receive the free gift of forgiveness that only Jesus gives. On the count of three, I'm going to ask you to lift up your hand. You could be in a living room. You could be at a public park, but you're watching this on your iPhone. I want you to lift your hand if that's you. One, two, three. If that's you, just lift your hand. I receive the free gift of forgiveness. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I receive the free gift of forgiveness. And so you shall be and are forgiven forever. You listen to me with your hand raised. You are to be assured that your past, present, and future sins are completely forgiven in Jesus and your connection and relationship to him will go this forward will go unbroken then you're in the palm of his hand and no devil in hell can take you from the hand of God in the name of Jesus 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 in the name of Jesus